Deuteronomy chapter number one in your Bible tonight, if you will. Book of Deuteronomy and chapter number one. I do appreciate you being back out for the evening service. Thankful that you're here. Thankful for those that are watching by live stream. I know that many are still staying at home because of the threat, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. I want everyone to feel safe. Uh, I don't feel as though we've thrown any caution to the wind, but we're going to try to move forward just the best we can uh, with uh, everything that is going on. And so I appreciate everyone that's watching by live stream tonight. Thank you so much for joining in with us, and we trust that you'll be blessed. Have already been blessed by part of the, this part of the service and the singing and everything that's gone on thus far. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, and we're going to begin our reading in verse number 1, and uh, I'm going to read down a few verses, and then if you'll leave your Bible open once again, we're going to look at on into the chapter, and just a little bit into chapter number 2. It's not like we're going to review the whole chapter, but we're going to get on into chapter 1, and then just uh, touch chapter number 2 just a little bit uh, tonight with this message. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verse 1. These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hezeroth and Dizahab. There are eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the fortieth year, in the eleventh month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all the Lord had given him in commandment unto them, after he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt in Ashroth and Edrai. On this side, Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare the law, saying, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You've dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you, and take your journey. And go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto all the places nigh thereunto, in the plain, in the hills, and in the vale, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. Um, the title of the message tonight is, What's Keeping You from the Promised Land? We'll get into the message. Let's pray. Father, one final time, we ask for your help, your guidance, your blessing, your power, the, the boldness of the Holy Ghost, and liberty. Your word says, where the Spirit is, there is liberty. And, 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 and Lord, we pray for that tonight, just to be able to preach. Our heart's desire is to preach this message. I pray that you would uh, give us wherewithal to do so. Thank you for the good crowd that's out on this Sunday night. We do look forward to the fellowship after this service. Before, but Lord, feed us now and help us to respond as necessary that we might uh, continue to grow uh, closer to you in all that we do. Thank you, Lord, for answer to prayer. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ. 
precious name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, for the reading of the Word of God. Please do be seated. Where we're at right here in Scripture, the Israelites are just 50 miles from their promised land. And the promised land, of course, it's, it's, it's a picture of victorious Christian living. The promised land is not heaven. When a picture of heaven, because there were still battles to be fought once they got into the promised land. There's not going to be any battles in heaven. Somebody say amen. Boy, it's going to be good when we finally get there and we're able to have that complete rest. So the promised land is a picture of victorious Christian living. And we can live that victorious life if we listen to God and let Him guide us along the way. We can be victorious in our Christian life. We can, have, we can have victory in our Christian life. We can have victorious Christian homes. We can live a victorious Christian life if we are willing to listen to God and follow Him along the way. Right here, they're stalled out in Kadesh Barnea. It was located at the lower tip of Canaan. And the name means holy. Now, God had directed them where to go, but they went to Kadesh and were shut down right there. The Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, had traveled from Mount Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, a distance of about 150 miles in 11 days. 11 days. But to go from Kadesh to Zered, about 50 miles, took them 38 years. That's a long trip, isn't it? For a short journey. I've seen a lot of Christians that are following the same course of life. What do you mean, preacher? Well, they get saved by the grace of God. They grow for a period of time. Things go well in their Christian walk and their Christian growth, and then they seem to just come to a standstill. Just grow stagnant. There's no more spiritual growth in their life. They're content to live in the wilderness. It doesn't really bother them to be where they are. But I'm here to tell you that's the most miserable place in the world. Well, how do you know? Because I lived there for several years. I got saved at the age of 27, uh, but did really not commit all my all to God until I was 32. And so I spent about five years in the wilderness. That's not a good place to be. It's a miserable place to be. I'll tell you again, it's a miserable place to be. No, no, no. To be saved by the grace of God and not be living the victorious Christian life, living and having everything that God wants us to have, it's a very miserable place to be. But people become comfortable there. They get there and they feel like they don't need to go any further. They don't see any need to go further. They, they feel comfortable about that. And I tell you, I'm just where I need to be. But I'm telling you, once I made that crossing, once I crossed over and realized the difference, I vowed to never go back. And I do not want to go back. I never want to fall back to that place. So what's wrong with these people? I mean, why did they waste 38 years of their life? Excuse me, of their lives. Let's see if we can learn from their mistakes. Look on down in the chapter, all the way down to verse number 28. 28. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Let's start in verse 26. Notwithstanding, you would not go up but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Let me stop right there for just a second. First off, God never hates us. He doesn't hate us. And what, what he's trying to do and where he's trying to get us is the very best place for us. 
Come on. Well, I don't really want to go there. Well, that's not God. No, 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 no. Don't try to don't don't try to say that that is God. Well, God just doesn't want me to go to that victorious Christian living. Oh, yes, He does. Absolutely so. That's exactly where He wants you to be. No, 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 no. Don't try to blame God because you're not there yet. I'm telling you, that's where He wants you to be. And, and, and you have to be very careful because God saved your soul and He's tried to lift you up out of the muck and the mire that you were in when He found you there. And He's trying to direct you to a place where you really can have victorious Christian living. And uh, if you're not there, it's not God's fault. Not at all. But look at verse number 28. Look at this. Stay with me here. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. So they were discouraged. And they were discouraged by those around them. Isn't that a sad statement? No, no, they weren't discouraged by the enemy. They said right there, our brethren have discouraged us. The people that should have been the greatest ally had become their source of discouragement. When people begin to talk negative and have something bad to say about every good thing that seems to be going on, don't be discouraged by their disbelief. Don't be discouraged by their lack of wanting to go forward. I, I don't want to live in the wilderness for the rest of my life. Our God is bigger than that. There's no need to walk around with our heads hanging down. No, 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 no. Let God be true, but every man a liar. I'm telling you, we do not have to be discouraged because other people just don't think that anything's good and I don't know and God can't and, I, and I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm telling you, we don't need to be discouraged by the brethren, don't pay attention to the discouragement. Anyone who tries to make God's work negative is a discourager. Oh, that's a good thing to write down. Anyone that tries to make God's work negative is a discourager. There are some who are negative about everything. They never have an encouraging word for anyone. Well, that'll never work. Oh, we tried that once before. Oh, you'll never be able to do that. Oh, I don't know why church has to be like this. You know, Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed or happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't have to listen to those kinds of things. You need to listen to God and listen to His Word. Because I'm telling you, discouragement is just unbelief. When we start looking at what you can do, when you start looking at what you can do instead of what God can do, you're going to get discouraged. Because I guarantee you, you can't do half of what God can do. You can't do a part of what God can do. Uh, but just because God does not do what you want Him to do all the time, don't get discouraged. I mean, it might be you get unexpected news and you allow it to take all the wind out of yourselves. Or, or, or it could be a loved one or a best friend that's let you down. But do not let discouragement keep you in the wilderness. This world may fail you. Friends may fail you. Loved ones may fail you, but God will never fail you. He is there and He's ready to guide along the way. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So Jesus has power over all your problems. I said Jesus has power over all your problems. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, verse number 19 of that same chapter says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
I'm telling you, Jesus has answers to your problems. Jesus has power over your problems. With God, nothing is impossible. Nothing's impossible. Discouragement comes when we trust in self and not in God. We have to be careful about that. Don't allow discouragement to stop your progress on your Christian journey. But they were also deceived. Deceived. They're in verse number 28 saying, The people is greater and taller than we. And the response was a result of uh, the report of the spies that went out. And, and let me just say this. Never take the word... Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I wish I had ways that I could just... Never take the word of man over the word of God. Never. Never, ever, never, never, ever, ever, ever. I wish I could shout that louder. Never take the word of man over the word of God. I'm telling you, it's important we listen to God. And when we begin to take the word of man over the word of God, it will always lead to problems. It'll always lead to problems. Any man that thinks they know better to God is uh, not of God. It's not good. It's not right. And the devil's going to try to keep you in the wilderness. He's going to try to keep you from living this victorious Christian life. He's the master of deceit without a doubt. He'll try to change the way that we see things. He will make good look bad. He'll make sin look good. He he comes as an angel of light. The Antichrist is going to uh, be the devil incarnate. He's going to deceive the world into thinking that he is Christ. He'll make money look like your only hope for survival. He'll make you think because you're spouse and you aren't getting along that you should seek an extramarital relationship. No, he's a great deceiver. And he can ruin your life real quick. No, no, no. He wants to destroy your life. Listen, he wants to destroy your life for carnal pleasure. He wants you to destroy your life. Well, a little of this won't hurt. A little of that won't hurt. It hurt more than you know. And he wants you to destroy your life. And we can do that if we're not careful partaking of the carnal pleasures. He'll make you believe that you cannot live on the money that you have left after tithes and offerings. Well, I can't give like that because how in the world would I ever live? Because there's a God in heaven. That's how we continue to live. He blesses. He'll cause you. The old devil will cause you to believe that you can live, that you can live without God. You can make your own decisions, but that is a sad, sad place to be. Young people, listen to me. That's a sad place to be. When you get to thinking you can make your own decisions without talking to God about it, or make your own decisions without getting God's guidance that way or seeking godly counsel if you don't know what to do no 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 the devil just loves people who do that and these people believe the lie well we can't overcome these giants the old devil he'll tell you that they're giants in the promised land that you cannot overcome there's no there's no reason for you to try to walk with god you'll never be able to walk with god you'll never be able to be like those people down at the church you might as well just forget all about that he'll tell you you can't witness for christ Oh, nobody's going to listen to you anyway. There's no reason to tell anybody about that. He'll tell you, you cannot live for Jesus where you work. Well, you'll do good in church and when you're around the Christian people, but don't try to live for Jesus where you work. Where you work, you really need to fit in. I mean, go ahead and spew out some bad language every once in a while. Listen to the dirty jokes that they're telling. Join them for a beer after work. All those things, that's not that bad a deal. No, 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 he'll tell you that type of stuff. And living for the Lord in the public is very hard. I understand that. I know it is. I've been there, but we can do it. We can have a good testimony with God's help. We can be a light that shines. We can be the salt of the earth. We can. 
He'll tell you, the old devil will tell you, you can't get up, get up and spend time with God in the morning. He'll fill your mind with all types of negativity about the Christian life. Look, do not let the devil deceive you. He deceived David with Bathsheba. He deceived Peter. Peter denied the Lord. He deserved Judas, and Judas died and went to hell. Don't believe the lies. He's a liar. You know why they got to this place? Because they doubted the Lord. They doubted the Lord. Oh no, look at verse number 32 there. Uh, yes, verse number 32. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. They doubted God. That means, look up here for a second. That means that they believed someone or something other than God. And when that happens, you're already defeated. I was hoping for at least one amen there. I really was. <laughs> they doubted God. That means that they believed someone, maybe even themselves, or something over God. And when that happens, you're already defeated. Because doubt will stop the progress of God's work. Even in your own life. Doubt's not a good thing. This generation was denied entry to Canaan because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, look, you may be going through some hard times right now, but, but, but don't let doubt cause you to turn your back on God because that's when you need Him the most. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't let those times cause you to run from God. You need to let it uh, run, make it run, make it, mm, you need to let them make you run to God. The Israelites were not able to conquer the land because of their unbelief. Look, when things look hopeless, we should pray and fast even more. Trust, trust God to do what you can't do. He's there for you. He can give you victory. Do not doubt God. Look, churches are filled with people who desire the blessings of God, but they don't believe that He'll do it. No, they, they desire the blessings of God, but they won't believe that He'll do it. And, and, and they never see the mighty works of God simply because of doubt. I'm telling you, there is a God in heaven. He is all-powerful, and he can, do, he, can do, he, can, he can do exceeding abundantly above, uh, above all we ask or think. Doubt was the very first trick that the devil used, and he continues to use it. It was the very first trick he used. I'm telling you, when he told Eve, ye shall not surely die, put doubt into her mind. And doubt has been a big cause of defeat in the Christian life ever since. A person that doubts will have trouble seeing the positive. People who doubt are limiting God. Doubt is the opposite of faith, and therefore it displeases God. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So doubt stops faith. We need, to get, we, need to get, we need to get past doubting God can and get to a place of, 
we need to get to, mm, come on brain, we need to get to a place, we need to get past a place of thinking God can to a place of knowing God will. I'm telling you, God wants to bless us. But doubt doubt in God will make you miserable. And it will keep you living in the wilderness. Churches, sad to say, are filled with doubters. No, no, no. Well, I doubt that we can do that, preacher. Or I doubt that, you know, those people would come even if I invited them. I, I, I doubt that God is going to bless me if I give that way. And I, I, doubt, that, I doubt that God could ever use somebody like me. And I, I doubt that I'll ever be able to serve again. And I doubt that even if I do what the Bible says, that God's going to change anything. You know, I, I doubt, I doubt, I doubt, I doubt. Let me remind you of something tonight. God is still on the throne. Don't let those past failures keep you stuck in the past. Don't let those doubts rolling around your mind keep you from serving God. Don't doubt that your kids could one day sell out to God and serve God with their lives. Well, preacher, you just don't know my circumstances. Well, apparently you don't know my God well enough. Don't doubt God. Trust God. I'm telling you, we have to go forward. Well, I tell you, times are so bad. Hasn't caught God by surprise. No, he's, he's he's still up there. He's still in control. And these people could have seen real victory in their life, but there was a problem. What was their problem? They were disobedient. They were disobedient. Look on down uh, verse number 42. Verse 42. They were disobedient. And the Lord said unto me, Say unto them, Go not up, neither fight, for I'm not among you, lest you be smitten before your enemies. So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear. But rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and went presumptuously up into the hill. And the Amorites, which dwelt in the mountain, came out against you and chased you as bees do and destroyed you in Seir, even unto Hormah. And ye returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice nor give ear unto you. So ye abode in Kadesh many days according unto the days that you abode there. The Lord told them, the Lord told them, get this, get this, get this. The Lord told them not to go and fight against the Amorites. He told them that. Now you guys, you don't go fight against the Amorites. But they went on their own behalf. And they were defeated. Isn't it it an amazing thing, Brother Greer, that, that there are a lot of thou shalt nots in the Bible? I mean, very plainly, thou shalt not. And still people make the decision to do what they want to do instead of what God says to do. Come on, it wasn't just these folks that messed up and went against what God and were disobedient to God. Are you still listening to me? It wasn't just these folks that are disobedient to God. There's a lot of things that are plainly, plainly written out to us in the Bible that we should not do. Oh, it's not that big a deal, is it, preacher? Oh, well, if God says not to do it, we probably, let me see, shouldn't do it. They were disobedient to God. If they would have just listened to God, everything would have been fine. They wouldn't have had to suffer all those things. But they decided they could do what they wanted to do. It didn't matter what God had to say. No, 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 they thought, this will work, this will work. I know, I know, you know, 
Other times that's failed, but not this time. This is going to be good. We're going to go, we're going to do this. And it's still the mindset today. It's crazy. I could stand up here and tell you a dozen stories of failures because people went against God, did their own thing, did their own, went their own way. I could stand up here and tell you dozens of stories, personal ones that I know of, about people that just went ahead and did what they wanted to do, although it went against God, thinking that everything was going to work out fine for them. And even for a period of time, it looked like, well, everything's going to work out. See, preacher, I told you, it's not like, you know, it's not like you said. And all. But it never works out. It never works out when you go against God. It doesn't work out. It won't work out. I could, no, no, no. I could do it. Time after time after time after time again, God proved himself that you can't be a disobedient to God and have the blessing of God on your life at the same time. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. They did what they wanted to do. Not what God had instructed them to do. And disobedience brings, brings destruction. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Now, we know that there in Romans chapter 5, it's speaking of Adam's fall. Because Adam was disobedient, then we were all made sinners. People say, well, man, boy, preacher, I just don't know why things are going this way. I, I, don't, I don't understand why things are going this way. And I was like, well, let me ask you something. Um, let me see. Are you obeying God? Are you obeying God in all areas of your life? Uh, well, preacher, um, all areas? All of them? I mean, you're, are you you're talking about all? Yeah, 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 all, all areas, all areas. Are you obeying God in all areas of your life? Well, you know, may, you know not really. But you know, no, 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 stop right there. You know that you're not being obedient to God, and you say, and yet you say you cannot understand why things are not going well. Well, let me clear it up for you. You're going against God. So, what did you really expect? We know as we read the Bible, we know that Achan's disobedience brought an end to the progress of the children of Israel as they journeyed on to conquer Canaan. We know the Israelites took the Ark of the Covenant into battle, and this was a direct disobedient act to God's instructions, and they were defeated, and the Ark was uh, captured by the Philistines. I'm here to tell you tonight that your disobedience to God's Word can stop the progress of the work even here at Riverside Baptist Church and cause a lot of hardships or even send someone to hell to burn forever in the lake of fire because you are not fulfilling the purpose that God has for you in this life. Somebody really should say amen. Oh boy. What are you hollering about, preacher? I, I, I don't want you to let... I don't want you to let your disobedience cause defeat in your life or the life of your family or the life of your church. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine if we all just decided to do exactly what God would have us to do every day of our life? Could you imagine? Do you think that it would cause a change in this church? 
Oh, mercy. I can't even begin to imagine the change that would come about. Just being obedient to God in every part of our life, every day of our life. I mean, really being, no, 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 not making excuses anymore. Just being obedient to God. Not acting like we don't know what we should be doing, but just really being obedient to God. Well, preacher, what are we supposed to do? Uh, Make things right with God today? Well, preacher, can I say something? Well, hurry, because we've got food. Well, you know, you know, I, I really, I would try more, but I know that I'm just going to fail again. <laughs> You're going to use that lame excuse not to really try to do what God wants you to do? I mean, like we don't all fail God to some extent. Or is it just because, no, 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 listen to me still. Don't, don't tune me out yet. Or is it just because you're not going to try because you really don't want to quit doing those things that you shouldn't be doing? So you're going to make an excuse. We need to make things right. What does that mean? We need to repent of those things in our life that shouldn't be, whether it's disobedience or unbelief or even discouragement. Lord, I I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to walk around discouraged. I don't have to be like that. I can trust in Your Word. I can know that You're working in my life. I can trust You every day. I can determine that I'm going to try to help somebody else every day of my life instead of just walking around having some type of pity party because, you know, things just haven't worked out the way that I thought that they should. That's good preaching even if I am doing it. I'm telling you, we need some real repentance in our churches today. And I believe we've become way too comfortable in this time of this COVID-19 and all that. And I know it's real and I'm not making light of it whatsoever. But I think we've become way too comfortable and things we just need to shut down. We need to be quiet. We need to take. And certainly we don't want to speak up of righteousness because there's so many people out there right now that, that are against what we're trying to do. And all these things, I'm telling you, I think we've become way too comfortable and we need to repent of those things. Or we become way too comfortable in our sin and we come to church and we leave and we go home and never, nothing ever changes. I think it's time to repent. I think it's time to confess our sin to God. I said confess our sin to God. No, 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 no. When we get to that place where we know that we're not doing the right thing, that we would come to an altar and we would confess that to God. God, I am not doing the right thing. He already knows that. He just wants you to acknowledge it. Are you with me here? He just wants you to acknowledge it. I'm not doing the right thing, God. I'm going against your precepts. I'm going against your word. I'm doing my own thing. I'm making my own decisions. Really doesn't matter what anybody says. I'll just do my own thing. Well, what you need to do is repent and confess. Truly. And then obey. Just decide you're going to obey. I want to be everything that God would have me to be. I want to do everything that God would have me to do. That means, that means at that point that you're going to make the decision to perform the work of God. Being things that uh, Jesus said that we should be.
well, preacher, man, I'm blind. You seem all, you seem all torqued up about this, and you know, it's just, well, you're making a big deal out of. Well, wait, 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 wait. Before you, before you finish that thought, let me put another thought in your head real quick. Look into chapter two, and on down to verse number fourteen. Come on, stay with me. We're not far away from being finished. Verse fourteen. And the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until they were come over the brook Zered was thirty and eight years. Thirty-eight years. Until all the generation of the men of war were wasted out from amongst the host, from among the host, as the Lord swear unto them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. Now I want you to get this. Come on, I want you to get this. Make some closing remarks. They were destroyed without ever experiencing victory. They never experienced that victory. They were destroyed before they ever experienced victory. Isn't it a shame to think this, to think this, 38 years. 38 years. They refused to listen and to obey God. All they had to do was listen. Brother Stevens, all they had to do was just listen and obey. Repent of, of doing their own thing with a willingness to do what God would have them to do. Things would have gone a whole lot better for them all this time. They could have lived that victorious life, but oh no, 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 no. They thought they knew better than God. And they were destroyed without ever experiencing that victory. This was God's chosen people. This was a people with which he would have, uh, the, which, uh, with which he would use to bring the Messiah into the world. What a dreadful thing to happen! There's really no, there's really no sense in it. There's really no excuse for it. But there weren't any survivors of that generation from the wilderness wanderings. I'm, I'm talking about the entire generation that entered entered the wilderness died there, except for Joshua and Caleb, the two that trusted God, were blessed of God. But the majority of them never came to the other side of that generation. Isn't that sad? I mean, really sad. Come on, when you know the truth, you could have done the truth, performed the truth, and just chose not to. Just chose not to. They, they didn't get to experience the land flowing with milk and honey. Just because they didn't want to listen to God. I'll do my own thing. Um, you can. Apparently, uh, according to this story, um, you can wander around in the wilderness till you die. They listened to those who they should have not been listening. And because of that, they believed a lie and they didn't follow God's clear command for their lives. Their, their distrust to God, in God, well, it sure didn't give them favor with God. Contrary-wise. It brought judgment. 
it seems that there's a lot of people that just continue to live in the wilderness of this world. People that have been born again by the Spirit of God. They've been saved by the grace of God. But they just continue to wander in the wilderness. They've not crossed over into any type of victorious Christian living. Oh, they're saved and things went good for a while and things changed a little bit. And it's like, eh, that's quite enough. I think I've gone far enough. Really don't see any need to go any further. Don't see any need to go do anything more. So what about you? Joshua 24.15 says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, little g, gods which were your father, uh, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods, little g gods, of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But it goes on, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, Joshua made a decision. He made a decision. It has to be a decision. There has to be a decision. You, you know what saddens me? A lot of things. But you know what saddens me? It saddens me to see people make decisions and then go back on them. No decisions to live for God and do what God would have them to do. And then whether they get around other people that don't want to do that or they listen to other things or maybe listen to lies of the devil or whatever the case may be, then they decide, well, you know, I made that decision. It was just an emotional thing. Yeah, and it's not that important. i got a lot of life to live and so I can do that later on down the road somewhere. But right now I'm just going to live my life and do what I want to do. And come on, preacher, just get off my back because, you know, I've got this under control. Don't you worry about me. You know, it might be that you've been wandering around in the wilderness for a long, long time. And if that's the case, shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be getting close to victory by now? I mean, what's it going to be for you? Or you... Or do you just plan to wander around in the wilderness until you die? I'm happy right here, preacher. Well, that's a shame. When God has so much more to offer. It really is a shame. What is it that's keeping you from that promised land? From really living a victorious Christian life? Living the life of a sold-out Christian? What is it? You know, whatever it might be, God's got the answer. And whatever it is that's keeping you from getting there, maybe it's time to get it out of the way. To repent. To confess. To obey. To decide you're going to live the way that God would have you to live. It'll bring great blessing. I mean, great blessing. But it's the decision. 
And it's the decision that only you can make. You can't make it for your wife. Your wife can't make it for you. You can't make it for your children. Each individual has to make it. I think it would be a wise thing to do tonight myself. Why wait any longer? When we have great promises from God like this. Let's stand to our feet. Would you stand with me? Let's all stand to our feet. Father, we yield, you to, we yield to you now. Lord, I pray for those who you may have spoken to in the message tonight. I, I don't know the needs of people. You know the needs. I, I don't know where people are in their Christian life and walk, but you do. And Lord, we've asked you to speak to hearts. Hopefully you have done that. I would trust that you have. And now that people would respond, that's our, that's, our, that's our prayer. That's our great hope. That's our wish. That they would respond to you because we know that's where the victory lies. So whatever needs to happen these next few minutes around the altar, Lord, we pray your perfect will to be done. And thank you for your goodness and mercy. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Many have already made their way to an altar. Piano's going to play. You need to come and you know you do. Just go ahead and make your way down here. Let God have His way. You know, it could be the start of something really, really great in your Christian life. I mean really great in your Christian life. Listening to God. Trusting God more than you trust yourself. Trusting God more than you trust others. Trusting God could be the start of something great. Real victory in your life. Whatever God wants to do. You know you need to come. Come on, you knew you needed to come before the invitation started. Make your way down. Make an altar where you are. Do something if you know that you need to do something. Just let God have His way.